I'm a sucker for creativity. Anything which makes a dent in the universe, something which is off pattern but makes sense if you make that lateral jump. This week, we are brought to you by Attest. Attest is a consumer research platform that enables brands to make customer understanding a competitive advantage with continuous insights. By combining unparalleled speed and data quality with on-demand research guidance, the platform makes it simple and fast to uncover opportunities with consumer data and grow without guesswork. Hello and welcome to the Shiny New Object Podcast. My name is Tom Ollerton. I'm the founder of Automated Creative, and this is a weekly podcast about the future of the marketing and advertising industry. Basically, every week I get to speak to someone exciting and pretty senior from the industry about what they think their vision for the future of the industry is, and this week is no different. I'm on a call with Mohit Arora, who is Global Digital Marketing Lead for Mars Pet Nutrition and a client of ours. So I have to be a bit nicer than usual, but maybe behave myself. But Mohit, could you please introduce you and what you do to the audience? Hey, thank, thank you, Tom. Thank you for having me uh, on the call. And uh, yeah, so so I'm 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 a, I'm a mechanical engineer uh, who has a leaning for the arts and philosophy. And then that's that's what kind of got me a little rattled uh, three years into engineering on whether I'm in the right path. Uh, made a jump, took an MBA. I've been in CPG marketing ever since. Uh, that's been 15 years now, and been enjoying every bit of it. Currently, as you said, I'm the global digital marketing lead for Mars, pet nutrition business. And my career has been largely on brands, uh, then portfolio of brands, head of marketing, and now I'm on a global role. Uh, it's a big title. Broadly, what I do within this is uh, with, our, with our other members in the team, try to stitch up, try to work towards a smart data strategy. Uh, for how we want to build our business. And then the other piece is done a very interesting uh, uh, modern marketing innovation pipeline, the data-driven marketing pipeline, broadly getting ideas uh, from outside in, getting a bunch of people together, uh, figuring out globally big transformation ideas and letting them run through. So that's a little on me and my background. Right. I need to understand the meeting point between mechanical engineering and philosophy <laughs> so and then surely surely that isn't uh pet so nutrition marketing but no 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 that's 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 me being an indian and my parents being smart enough when i was younger uh in graduation or before so i always had a keen uh, a heart for literature and my father's an engineer and then somehow i also enjoyed a bit of science so I, the options i gave him was after i finished my schooling i take up the sciences or i take up uh, literature he rubbished literature for me saying yep. but you won't make any money and yeah, on the I science <laughs> And then when I become a little bigger, I realize I, I can't do this. I, I can't I can't get into a factory and work. It's not me. And that's the change then. Right. So and I'm curious to know which bits of philosophy, literature, and mechanical engineering evidence themselves in your work on a daily basis. So a lot of engineering actually. Uh, the whole process piece, you know, I mean, uh, uh, running a strong, smart process is a fair bit of an engineering brain. I mean, uh, so I, I can lean back on, on, on that quite a bit. Uh, philosophy, consumers, 
So, I mean, uh, I, I really like the fact that we, uh, it's a cliche, but true for most marketers when they love what they do, I like to understand and see how you change behavior in mass. And I think uh, uh, philosophy kind of touches some of that and so do the arts. So, yeah. So across that career and with this role, you're talking about some stuff like big transformation, data strategy, data-driven marketing pipeline, which I'm privy to from Mars Pet Care for obvious reasons. But that's a lot. That's a lot of brands. That's a lot of markets. That's a lot of channels. That's a lot of different audiences. How do you deal with the guaranteed overwhelm that's going to strike you from time to time? Yeah. No. So, so, so that does happen. And I've become better on this so over the years, really. So uh, I used to get a lot more when before. I, I use three things uh, which work well for me. It worked like magic, actually. And, and, and they work probably in steps. So music is the simplest and the easiest one. Uh, I use a lot of that. It helps me concentrate, focus, remove the chatter. Uh, I, I work well where there's instrumental music at the background and I need to do some long thinking. Uh, I meditate. So that's that's the one which I've picked up around ten years back, and uh, it's 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 been a it's really helped a lot to settle me down. Uh, it it kind of calms you and and helps you see the big picture. Whichever form of meditation you pick up, I I strongly recommend spending spending some time to give uh, to yourself and 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 getting some silence inside is is a big one so uh, meditation works for me the third which i've used recently yeah, around the last 2 3 years and i wonder why haven't i used this before is having a life coach now now that's a big one right but i'm i'm, I'm broadly using the word life coach for for uh, for having either a spiritual guru, having a belief in certain philosophies or actual practitioner and expert who helps you. Now, I'll unpack that for you. So a life coach helps you take, or, or it takes you, uh, gives you a long view. You, you start looking at life, not just for what's going to be tomorrow, what's the, the next big presentation going to look like. It helps you to step back, think about your values and principles and see how I wanna, what I want to do with my life five to 10 years ahead. So, so it, it's a big one. It, it's helped me and I would strongly recommend to others think of it, of it in one form or the other uh, it, and try to get that long view. You don't get so overwhelmed after that. Really. So can you give me an example of one of your values and your principles? Ah, so, so I have uh, two or three which, which really help me uh, make choices. One is uh, I'm a sucker for creativity. So anything which makes a dent in the universe, something which is off pattern, but makes sense if you make that lateral jump, uh, gets so, and that, that, that was right from childhood. So uh, from the books I read to, to, to work I do now is one of them. Uh, it's not a typical value people talk about others, but this, this is a big one for me. Uh, and help me in work too. And the other is uh, genuinely being mutual and making a difference. I mean, the more I grow, I realize, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been blessed. Uh, and, you know, it's a humbling experience of uh, growing from where I was to where I am now. So, so I, I do genuinely look at opportunities to make a difference in any form uh, to friends, family, work. So coming back from your long-term ambitions and in the very much in the short term, what is the top marketing tip that you find yourself 
applying or sharing most often? So this one's, uh, I'm possibly thinking people would know quite a bit on this, but I'll share anyhow. It, it was a penny drop for me. It was Byron Sharp's um, Laws of Growth, the book, right? And there was this one piece which I, I kind of hold as a marketing tip for any kind of campaign, media, content I work on, which is on uh, put your maximum effort on driving your uh, penetration or reaching out to your category audiences. Make that your primary growth driver. And uh, I, I love the way he has again and again, both in the book and then he's worked with us as an organization, uh, shown how your light users and your ultra light users in fact, make the Pareto of the consumers annually that, that buy your brand. I, I remember one chart, which I always use as an example for anyone to, who doesn't. I mean, I didn't believe in this. I was always a big believer in, you know, there's, there's loyalty, there's the, all the other stuff which you need to do. But this chart sticks to me is around Coke. And he talks about how, at least that's the data he shares in the US, more than 90% of the users who bought Coke in that particular year when he's done the tracking happen to be people who have uh, consumed Coke once or twice in the whole year. So, wow. So, so yeah, so I'm not saying just, just go after reach, but post that I've always, always kept in mind, uh, reaching out to your category is a primary, is a primary growth driver and, and build on the others for sure. So Byron Sharp is definitely the most quoted person in the, about 200 episodes of this podcast. Oh, is he? Oh, shit. I mean, um, no, I've no, gone no. through them to, to sound smarter than <laughs> and, and which is interesting in its own right. And congrats to Byron. But if everyone, and, all, and I mean almost everyone quotes him, if everyone's doing it, doesn't that level the playing field? No, I mean, it, it doesn't work like that. It, the, the, the way it works is there's a category and there are consumers who are within it. So, um, a growth will come from growth will come from people people who are uh, who haven't who haven't tried. So, incremental growth to be more specific, not just growth. So, growth will also come from people who are buying your product and you upgrade them or drive frequency of purchase. The incrementality will come from people who haven't bought. So, that's I think is also logical somewhere in my head. Um, but the piece I'll, I'll also share, uh, Tom, uh, people quote this, but I don't know how many of us, including me at times, follow it through very strongly. Yeah? So, so that, that probably might be one reason why we hear a lot about this and, and it doesn't get applied as much, maybe. This episode of the Shiny New Object podcast is brought to you in partnership with Madfest. Whether it's live in London or streamed online to the global marketing community, you can always expect a distinctive and daring blend of fast-paced content, startup innovation pitches, and unconventional entertainment from Madfest events. You'll find me causing trouble on stage, recording live versions of this podcast, and sharing a beer with the nicest and most influential people in marketing. Check it out at www.madfestlondon.com. We now need to uh, move on to your shiny new object, which is very long, but I'm going to read it out as you sent it to me, and I appreciate you, <laughs> I appreciate you doing that. But your shiny new object is winning in ambiguity 
in the context of modern marketing. So I, I know all, the, all of those words mean individually, but together, why is that sh- your shiny new object? And can you cast some light on that, please? Yeah, so I, I thought on this, uh, what do I put in uh, and what am I obsessed with off late and, and should talk about? So, so I am currently with the role I play the last three years. So recency makes an impact. So I've been on a digital transformation for Mars and in the role that I play, I've seen it quite keenly from close quarters. And uh, when I talk to my colleagues or I read stuff up, I mean, there's this whole piece which keeps coming back. The problem statement on ambiguity, right? So I think it's, it's a problem of two things. Uh, it's a problem of many choices. And it's generally there. There are lots of noise, lots of choices in media, content, and tech. And to make things worse for us as marketers, it's changing every six months. So that's one which makes it difficult to manage. The other is the subject matter expertise, uh, uh, this whole piece in which I think it's becoming a lot more expert, the, the marketing field. So the new is very new. At times, it's too technical. It is expert. It's, it's deep. So things like clean rooms, identity solutions. So it's, I think it's leading to somewhere, Tom, a, a digital divide in the industry. So you're getting subject matter experts who work inside, I mean, and the silos which are coming in. So I think these are two places or two pieces which underline uh, the whole winning in ambiguity. So this, this causes the ambiguity. And, and then I have, over the period of the last three years, Personally, felt two things which have really helped me hack through it. So, yeah, I, I wanted to talk about those two. So, so well, yeah. just just one point that and always jars with me. I mean, I I haven't actually been in the industry that long. I, I came started very late in in life, and I've been I think fourteen years something like that. And I I've constantly heard one of your phrases all the way through, which is everything's constantly changing, and it, it, that kind of jars with me because. Yeah, it, it, yes, it is. There's always new things. There's always it's, it's essentially people trying to sell you new things, right? As well as new behaviors. Yeah. But isn't yeah. isn't doesn't new become a constant as opposed to this thing like oh everything's changing so quickly and everyone seems so flustered about it? No, I, I'll tell you what happens. I, I'll give you the honest answer on big organizations. So when things change too quickly, uh, so currently, I mean, COVID didn't help. There was a consumer shift which happened. I mean, I, I won't I won't show I won't paint the picture of how the changes happen, but there's consumer and media and the privacy is changing stuff again. So there's a fair bit of change. Now, I agree the change is constant, but in a larger organization, how do you then scale? How do you scale a good uh, solution rapidly across the business? And how do you make some choices if there's so many different guys coming and selling their way to you, Tom? So I think it's a genuine problem. And that's the reason you hear us cry so much about it. Uh, it is somewhere, it becomes difficult on, on how, there's just too many people coming in and sharing, this makes sense for the future. This makes sense. Yeah, consumer doesn't change. So, so I mean, broadly, consumer behavior does not change. It, it makes some change, jumps and changes occasionally. And as I said, COVID was one of them, which shifted uh, people a lot more online, both consumption and commerce. But but yeah, I think the problem is that technology is giving you one too many options. And then as an organization, as a senior leadership, you, you at times don't know what to go after. So uh, that, that's, that's my take. Yeah, I can, I can see that as a challenge. And, and to be on my honest answer as well, I am one of those suppliers. I, I am part of the problem, right? I want to get into big brands and, and share our solution with the complete belief that it's right for most people. But then there's, you know, there's another hundred 
Tom's or Tina's or whatever trying to do exactly the same thing. So and it's, it's interesting to hear it from your point of view. But anyway, I, I cut you off. So you're talking about no. the two silos. Yeah. yeah. So 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 no, I'm saying I think there are two hacks in my head, and one one I use very often. It's it's a it's one you can use uh, on an individual level. So uh, to reduce the number of choices, I I try to use a mental model or a discipline, uh, and I'm labeling what I'm going to talk about as question compass. I try to filter an element. It's an elimination technique. So if if there are uh, if there are fifteen different people coming in and sharing, you know what? Uh, here is a really cool, different way of looking at dynamic content optimization. It only looks at social. Is someone else coming with a new idea? So if there are a bunch of people coming with new data-driven technology emerging platform options, I use a, uh, what I'm calling a question compass. Uh, I just put a few questions in my head before I start any of these conversations, uh, either uh, either with a new person who's pitching in or even uh, on a campaign which is kicked off or reviews. My three questions, and, and yours could be different. So but the three questions I ask myself always with the discipline is, is what the person sharing going to solve against my stated goal and key outcomes for this project? Can I, can the impact from it be measured? Because that's another place where it might sound like it's going to solve, but it's not being measured. And will it really add incremental value or versus what I'm currently doing? So, so I use that as a filter, as my question compass. The trick I, I'm, I'm trying to share out with you and, and your audience is uh, keep going back to initial plan and the outcomes you're wanting to reach to. Because more than once, in my own personal experience, you, you do end up, you do end up uh, looking at uh, options which might not answer that question. And, and a good analogy is your shopping list. When you go to a mall, a shopping mall, and if you're a shopaholic, right? So you have limited money and time. You want to make sure um, you get to the right stuff. Do you keep a list of things you had to buy in front of you while walking across the store? So uh, it, it helps me personally. And, and it's the discipline more than, more than the mental model. It's, it's something people have used often. But that does help me on the problem of many choices. That is so interesting to me. And I'm proud to be a sales guy. That's largely my function in, in the business. And those questions are so exciting. And is, it, is this going to solve the key outcomes? Every salesperson is going to say yes or no. Can it be measured? Certainly in digital, you'd hope so. And it's will not it, true. So right, okay, tell me. So take Sorry. examples. So uh, take, take say influencers, yeah, uh, and 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 uh, give me an example which you want to take on this. So I, I can help you with this a little better with an example. I yeah. think it's, it's the second why which you need to ask, and uh, for me it helps. But, but we, we could do that experiment, thought experiment, right now if if you have an example. Sorry, I'm, I'm not sure what you mean by do I have an example. I mean you said influencers, so we could. Uh, let's take influencers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So 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 so. Uh, is is it really solving against? So you need to first be very clear on what you want to do with your campaign. So is it is it a a campaign which is driving a relevance and uh, or 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 a purpose shift or a action which is uh, direct sales? Now 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 you need to see whether say influencers uh, help in uh, solving that particular problem. You might say yes. Uh, they do. I mean, uh, you you have this whole uh, social media uh, uh, influencers who, who and then there's, there's, there's a fair amount of uh, uh, them who end up pushing to sales. Can the impact be measured? 
Um, for CPG, it becomes a little more difficult to measure influencers because if you look at it, say, I use an influencer, uh, it is getting better now, but I think it, it is still difficult to measure exactly what uh, sales value have you got basis the the person who the, the, the influencer brought in. The way we generally do it is probably more input led. We look at what's the incremental reach. Uh, the if it's if it's a celebrity or someone we're getting how many people his in his space uh, so so it, it does not always clearly have a measurement and I, help me if you have one on on influencers which which we currently don't and especially if it's if it's to do with moving a uh, a top funnel a top funnel action that you want to do with your brand and 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 the, and the kicker is the the versus question so versus what you're already doing how and where does it add value so i i get i get my generally clarity comes in there i get an answer and then i push whether that answer really adds back or not so i'm i'm so i'm so tempted just to wade in on that with my point but i, I have to remember that we're doing a podcast and not a uh, a conversation between our two businesses but I, loosely on that one in, in from the influencer's perspective it's obviously all down to objective right if you're trying to if it's bottom of funnel and it's sales then i know is it is it couponing obviously we've seen TikTok, a TikTok yeah. shopping emerge at, at some point, you know, so or like pixels on matter, whatever it is, that that's relatively easy. And obviously you can measure like site views or quality site visits. But I think the interesting thing about top of the funnel is the completion rate of that content. So if you so if you to your point, if you weren't doing it, then you would you'd have your content, you'd have your ads, whatever they would be, without influencers. So kind of Whatever, let's not get into the detail of what's in your ads, but you know that and your audience can imagine that. Whereas, does an influencer increase the view through rate? Does it increase the view completion rate? Because that is a tension, and the tension on the brand, I believe, increases the likelihood of trial. The likelihood of trial increases the penetration going all the way back to Byron Sharp. So, within an influencer perspective, I think you can. Uh, measure it all the way through the funnel. The, the, the problem we have with, with and, and I mean, we're getting into discussion, but uh, if I was to just close on that quickly, I think uh, this whole piece on view through uh, uh, rate leading, yeah, so so whether view through rate should be equal to, uh, yeah, it's engagement, I guess. So, no, I think you make a good point there. So I, I hear you on that one. But I enjoyed that. That was, that was, a, that was a good little exercise. So I, I think we, we um, so two hacks. So we've done the question compass, which is excellent. What is the other one? So this is on an organization level, uh, not for the individual, I think. Uh, and, and, and some organizations are doing this and, and others aren't. But I think the innovation on, on modern, on your data-driven marketing or, or modern-day marketing, uh, I think needs to be split into two groups. And it goes back to the problem statement. I spoke about problem, many choices. And I spoke about this whole fact that there are subject matter experts and, and their silos coming up, right? So uh, keeping that in mind, uh, the two groups would be, pro I mean, broadly, there should be one team, a separate team, which is protecting the core, which is looking at one or two years ahead. And that's pretty much it. They don't look further ahead. And, and then the other who disrupts the future, who looks three years and further up the horizon uh, from a time frame perspective. The double click on this is, uh, now each of these groups should have different experts, and that's the thing we at times miss out. So different experts, different budget holders, and KPIs to what success looks like. And this will help if, if you can kind of split it between the time horizon, it kind of solves in a big, big way, 
amongst all the choices you have some of them answer very well on the one to two year horizon others answer better with three years plus so a good example is probably looking at i don't know uh, your delivering addressable content for dco could be protect the core and something to do or anything to do with a good fun word meta so creating an experience of managing a virtual pet on metaverse could be something which is to do with uh, disrupting the future so so time horizon uh, i i have a big belief that the budget plays a big role so how do we on protecting the core how does the budget become i mean it probably is a part of your yearly pnl but when you look at dis- disrupt the future you need to look at that budget as a capex and you need to give it as an organization depending on how hungry you are for this disrupting the future two to three year horizon and then and then not say uh, and then within that i mean uh, uh, the way i would i would kind of do the kpis is on protect the core i would i would look at sales and roi if you're an evidence based like we are as an organization and when it comes to disrupting the future i would say why not look at a different uh, kpi which is looking at the overall cost of all the tests that you have done in those 2 3 years and 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 uh, and and the incremental sales those those particular projects have got you and see whether it nets out or not so rather than picking each project and, and wanting to give it a uh, attribution to sales immediately so so there's a budget play there is a uh, time horizon play which will help in splitting it and and on the second question which a uh, problem i put in on on my um, you know the the statement of ambiguity which was subject matter expert in silos i think you need different teams you need different resources so in the first case of protecting the core yes the organization team the marketing teams your line agency your jbb partners when it comes to the disrupting the future you need to then look at probably one or two people from within the organization who are experts broad based ones and look actively for partnerships outside and external uh, consultants to help you sort that out and and that to my head helps a lot in making sure the right people are answering the right questions so that's so, that's so, the one yeah so, something that came to mind when you were sharing that point was jeff bezos said probably quite a long time ago now but it always comes back to me he said that we stopped thinking about what will change at amazon and start focusing on what won't and for them it's people want cheaper stuff and they want it quicker and they want a great experience but that it doesn't like any version of the future metaverse or otherwise or multiverse or whatever it is those things aren't going to change no one's going to oh, you know we really want it to be harder or more expensive or you know, or slower and so all their innovations center around that so i wondered does that kind of thinking get applied to the way that you uh, uh, remove ambiguity from the market so the, the trouble with that is uh, what if we say uh, let's let's uh, take that forward so so in in the jeff bezos example if if someone said let's let's see how metaverse can solve for the problem of conversion and getting engaging people and bringing them onto the onto the onto the portal and and, and sales you might not you a the problem of i do have the right set of people working on it then and as i said resources need to be different on disrupting the future versus uh, getting your core right be on budgets a lot of time within organizations uh, we we tend to want rightly so to see uh, evidence based coming in as quickly as possible in some of these projects you need to fail and you should be allowed to fail a fair bit because you're learning and it's a new space and it's it's developing so would it be fair then 
to put projects, three or four of them, which are by nature on a technology which is currently, or a, by nature on a platform which is currently small in scale, uh, to be done short term. So that's 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 how I would think on that. I'm really disappointed that we're at the end of the episode now and I would love to keep this conversation going. However, I've gone massively over time because I've enjoyed it so much. So <laughs> some of it, right. if, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would you want them to do that? And what makes the perfect outreach message to you? So so, so LinkedIn is good. and uh... I can't find you on LinkedIn though. Like, <laughs> do, you have, do you have some weird spelling or have your... No, no, no. So I'm going to catch you there. So LinkedIn works. Perfectly. So it doesn't, it seems, but uh, probably because I'm currently based out of India and that's what I put on the, so I'm sure it has some kind of algorithm which uh, pushes it down for you because you're based on London. But yeah, so that should be the easiest way to uh, get hold of me. And say you're curious about something or you have a question or you don't agree, I'm, I'm always happy to hear and, and learn. So Fantastic. Well, look, thank you so much for your time. All right. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Hi, just before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you could take the time to write a review of the Shiny New Object Podcast on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever it's called these days, or whichever podcast provider you use. We're an indie podcast, so it would go a long way for us if you could just share the word and give us a bit of a support on those channels. That would just be fantastic. If you haven't got time, that's also cool. And yeah, if you could tell your colleagues about the podcast and also, if possible, don't forget to subscribe. And I'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, if you'd like to speak on the podcast or be a guest or you think I'm asking the wrong questions, anything, I'd be super interested to hear what you think. So please email me at tom at automatedcreative.net. That's T-O-M at, uh, I'm not going to bother spelling it. Anyway, you'll work it out. Thanks so much.